0: And so, we're going to jump right into this. The title of the message is uh, the 1888 message, What We Missed. What We Missed. You may have heard a lot about this message, the message that is called Righteousness by Faith. Uh, You may have read books about it. Uh, You may know nothing about it. And so, what I'm attempting to do today is to speak to you Uh, And this is specifically for us as a church. Uh, So I'm going to need to speak to you about history, about what happened in 1888. We're going to be looking at uh, different statements. We're going to be looking at the Bible. And so um, take notes if you need to. Um, But this is crucial for our understanding. I believe that if we don't get this right... Uh, we delay the Lord's coming. And so let's go ahead and jump right in. I want to share with you a statement. This is found in Gospel Workers. And here's what it says. The thought that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, not because of any merit on our part, but as a free gift from God, is a precious thought. The enemy of God and man is not willing that this truth should be clearly presented. For he knows that if the people receive it fully, his power will be broken. If we would have the spirit and power of the third angel's message, we must present the law and the gospel together, for they go hand in hand. And so I want you to see the importance that was put on this message. Understanding this message, understanding that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us and not because of any merit on our part, anything that we do on our part, that truth is so important that if it is fully understood, the power of the enemy will be broken. And then she connects this with the preaching of the third angel's message and says we must present the law and the gospel together for they go hand in hand. Let's break that down. Satan today is warring against the righteousness of Christ. He did it back then uh, when this message was first preached and he's doing it now. He has never stopped doing it. So we need to understand what this message is and how it is that Satan is warring against it. And I need you to focus and pay attention, very close attention. Revelation chapter 14 verse 12 completes the third angel's message. And after a warning being given of anyone receiving the mark or the name of the beast, it concludes with these words. This third angel concludes with these words. It says, here is the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So I want you to notice the two things that describe the patience of the saints. They keep the commandments of God, that's one, and the faith of Jesus, that's two. That's two statements that are applied to the saints in the last days. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Two things the church needs to understand. Two things the church needs to accept. Two things the church needs to keep. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, in connection with this message is found another angel in Revelation 18 verse 1. And The Bible says in verse 1, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. The earth was lightened with his glory. So this other angel is basically joining his voice with the third angel. And the Bible says that the earth is lightened with his glory. Now, I want you to notice why the earth being lightened with this glory is so important. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 1, the Bible says, arise, shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. So this glory that is to lighten the whole earth is the glory of the Lord. It is the glory of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that this glory is going to be upon God's people. Arise and shine for thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Notice what it goes on to say. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth And gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. I'm going to keep reading. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to thy brightness, to the brightness of thy rising, Lift up thine eyes round about thee, and see. All they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then shalt thou see, and flow together, and thine heart shall fear, and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. So, what the Bible is telling us is, when this glory covers the whole earth, the Gentiles, those that are unconverted, are going to come to this light. There's going to be a great and massive conversion. That's what we call in Adventist lingo, the loud cry, right? The outpouring of the latter rain. All this happens, listen carefully, all this happens when the glory of the Lord lightens the earth. The glory of the Lord is to lighten the earth. So, let's go back in history for a moment, and I want to share something with you. In 1844, when this church had its origin, right, the focus, shortly after 1844, beginning in 1845 and onward, we began to preach the law of God. That was the focus, right, specifically the Sabbath commandment. The law of God had not been done away with. And this was our focus. This was what we were trying to get people to understand, right? The law of God has not been done away with. Now, in 1888, another message came, and this message was the faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus. Why is that important to understand? You see, in in 1844... The church was focused on the law of God, but they didn't pay much attention to the faith of Jesus. All right, so let me just see if you caught that. The church, in their beginnings, they focused on the law of God, the Sabbath commandment, the Ten Commandments stand, but they didn't focus too much on the righteousness or the faith of Jesus. That was a problem. As a result of that problem uh, in 1888, the message came, which was called righteousness by faith. That was to focus the church's attention on the faith of Jesus. So I want you to notice uh, what Ellen White says here. Third selected messages, page 172. The third angel's message is the proclamation of the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. The commandments of God have been proclaimed, but the faith of Jesus Christ has not been proclaimed by Seventh-day Adventists as of equal importance. The law and the gospel going hand in hand. I cannot find language to express this subject in its fullest. The faith of Jesus is talked about but not understood. Do you catch that? So here the prophet is telling us that we as a church had talked about the law of God, but the faith of Jesus was not really dwelt upon. Here's another one. The message of the gospel of his grace was to be given to the church in clear and distinct lines that the world should no longer say that Seventh-day Adventists talk the law, the law, but do not teach or believe Christ. Therefore, God gave to his servants a testimony that presented the truth as it is in Jesus, which is the third angel's message in clear and distinct lines. Again, this is the message that was preached in 1888 by A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner. Let's go a little bit further and see what else is said about this message. The Lord in His great mercy sent a most precious message to His people. This message was to bring more prominently before the world the uplifted Savior, the sacrifice for the sins of the world. It presented justification through faith. So the message is also called justification through faith. Listen carefully. It presented justification through faith in the surety. It invited the people to receive the righteousness of Christ, which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. Notice this next part. Many had lost sight of Jesus. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person, his merits and his changeless love for the human race. All power is given into his hands that he may dispense rich gifts unto men, imparting the priceless gift of his own righteousness to the helpless human agent. This is the message that God commanded to be given to the world. It is the third angel's message, which is to be proclaimed with a loud voice and attended with the outpouring of his spirit in large measure. Did you catch all that? The message of justification by faith invited people to accept the righteousness of Christ. Now, I need you to listen very carefully because the question I have for you right now is this. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? If you answered righteousness is right doing, then you are correct. Christ Object Lessons, page 312, it says this Righteousness is right doing, and it is by their deeds that all will be judged. Our characters, listen carefully, our characters are revealed by what we do. Listen to me again. Listen to what this statement is saying. Our characters are revealed. By what we do. The works show whether the faith is genuine. What we do reveals our character. So then we can say that righteousness by faith is really right doing by faith. I'll say it again. Righteousness by faith is really right doing by faith. Listen to what Christ's object lessons goes on to say, whatever our profession, it amounts to nothing unless Christ is revealed in what? In works of righteousness. He who becomes a partaker of the divine nature will be in harmony with God's great standard of righteousness, his holy law. This is the rule by which God measures the actions of men. This will be the test of character in the judgment. So in other words, in the judgment, what God is testing is what you do, right doing. Now listen carefully, not your right doing. Remember, the righteousness of Christ is the right doing of Christ. So, it's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness, meaning it's not your right doing, it is his right doing. All right, let's keep moving. When both of these are done, keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, which means the righteousness which comes by the faith of Jesus, when these two things are exhibited, then we will reflect the character of. of Jesus I want you to notice this Christ object lessons page 69 it says here Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people then he will come to claim them as his own You have heard discussions, no doubt, as to whether perfection is possible because God's church must be perfect before Jesus comes again. And guess what, guys? It is true. God's church must be perfect before Jesus comes again. Don't turn this off. Don't be like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Don't say... Trust me. Stick with me, guys. Stick with me. You trust me. All right. What is Christ waiting for? He's waiting for the reproduction of himself, of his character, in his people on earth. So the question becomes, how do we reproduce, listen, listen, how do we reproduce Christ's character on earth? Let me say it this way. How do we reproduce Christ on earth? That's the question. It has to be done by his church. Or let me say it this way. It has to be done by the body of Christ. All right, pastor, break it down. Well, let's take a look. Notice what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. So God wants us to be in unity of what? The faith. Why is faith important? Because it is the faith of Jesus. It is the faith of Jesus that brings about the righteousness of Jesus. So when we are united in the faith of Jesus, we will be united in the righteousness of Jesus. So watch this. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, not the law, the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, Unto a perfect man. Guess who that perfect man is? Oh yeah, it tells us. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I need you to catch this. The Bible wants us to grow up. Let me say it again. The Bible wants us to grow up into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Please check that out, guys. What is Christ waiting for? He's waiting for the replication of His character on earth. The Bible tells us that it is when we come into the unity of the faith that we will grow up into the perfect man, the measure of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Verse 14 says this, that we henceforth be no more children, okay, so... Why are we no more children? Because we've grown up. Did you catch that? We're no more children because we have grown up to reflect the stature of Christ. That's the goal. Being tossed about to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sleight of hand, by cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up Grow up into him all things, in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compact, by which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual work in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. So the Bible is here telling us that God's desire for his church is for it to move from childhood to manhood which means it is now reflecting the image or the character of Christ. Remember, when the character of Christ is perfectly reproduced in his church on earth, then he will come. Thus, beloved, if the faith of Jesus is designed to grow us up, to make us no more children, then when the church rejected the 1888 message, it left us as children. I just just need to pause for you to catch that for a moment. If the 1888 message, the faith of Jesus, was designed to grow us up into the full stature of Jesus Christ, and if the church rejected that message because their focus, listen carefully, their focus was on the law of God and not so much the faith of Jesus, they became (laughs) law-focused. It left us as children. All right. Let's keep moving. So our growth was stunted. Why? Why did the church reject this message? Well, let's see what Ellen White says. She says here, and I want you to notice at the top here, I'm reading to you paragraph six before I read to you paragraph five. I just want you to listen. Listen carefully. Here's what she says. an unwillingness to yield up preconceived opinions. And to accept this truth, this truth. Now, you don't know what this truth is. By the way, she's not talking about justification by faith as a whole. She's not talking about righteousness by faith as a whole or the faith of Jesus as a whole. She's talking about something very specific. Let's keep reading. An unwillingness to yield up preconceived opinions and to accept this truth lay at the foundation of a large share of the opposition manifested at Minneapolis against the Lord's message through brethren E.J. Wagner and A.T. Jones. By exciting that opposition, Satan succeeded in shutting away from our people in a great measure the special power of the Holy Spirit that God longed to impart to them. The enemy prevented them from obtaining that efficiency which might have been theirs in carrying the truth to the world. As the apostles proclaimed it after the day of Pentecost, the light that is to lighten the whole earth with its glory was resisted by the action of our own brethren has been in a great degree kept away from the world. Whatever this light is, the world doesn't know about it. Why? Because the church rejected it in 1888. The church said, no, we don't want to go that route. And she says it was rejected because something very specific that the leader said, no, mm-mm, we're not going there. All right? So let's see. What is the paragraph before this paragraph we just read? Let's check it out. We're going to find out what that truth is. Listen, paragraph five. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith. That's Galatians 3 verse 24. In this scripture, the Holy Spirit through the apostle is speaking especially of the moral law. The law reveals sin to us and causes us to feel our need of Christ and to flee unto him for pardon and peace by exercising repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In the very next chapter, she says, this is the truth that was rejected in Minneapolis. That the law in Galatians 3.24 was the moral law. The church, the leaders, the conference president, G.I. Butler, Actually, fought tooth and nail against this message and told people don't listen. Why? Because the church had generally taught it was the ceremonial law that was being spoken about in Galatians 3. That was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So, you know. In the Old Testament, you had the ceremonial law, the sacrificing of animals, all that pointed to Christ. When we get to Christ, we no longer have need of the ceremonial law, but we must still obey the moral law. moral law still stands. So when Wagner and Jones began to teach, wait a minute, no, that law is not just a ceremonial law. It's the Ten Commandments as well. They were like, "Er, wait a minute, hold on. No, 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 no. That's what the Protestant churches are teaching. They're teaching that we don't need to keep the law of God because it's been done away with according to Galatians 3, 4. How dare you say this is the moral law? Are you catching what I'm saying here? This was the essence of the argument and it is crucial for us to understand. They were totally against it because it sounded almost like what the other churches were teaching the law has been done away with well why is this so important for us why is it so important for us to understand you see ellen white identifies this as the moral law she says this is the moral law it's not just the ceremonial law look at this first uh selected messages page 233 i am asked concerning the law in galatians what law is a schoolmaster to bring us to christ i answer both the ceremonial law." and the moral code of the Ten Commandments. That just shocked people. That just shocked Adventists. Why? Because if the moral law is the schoolmaster, listen carefully, as a church, we have put so much emphasis on the law of God that if Galatians 3.24 is saying oh wait a minute the law was just a schoolmaster that is supposed to drop you off to Christ (gasps) wait a minute you're telling me that the law of God is done away with? well before we go there let me say it this way why do you need a schoolmaster? who needs schoolmasters? let me ask it that way who needs schoolmasters? if you answered children you are right Children depend upon schoolmasters. Right? In this verse, a schoolmaster leads to Christ. So once the schoolmaster has done his work, the schoolmaster then hands you over to Christ. But the problem with Adventists. Is that we have put so much emphasis on the law of God, attaining righteousness by the law of God. Hey, do you keep the Sabbath? Do you keep the Sabbath? Okay, you're righteous. Do you not steal or kill? Or lie? Okay, you're righteous. When the Bible is telling us that the moral law is not the end goal of righteousness. The Ten Commandments is not the end of right. There is something more. See, some of you right now are like, wait, what? Right now you're like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. And you can now understand what G.I. Butler and most of the Adventist church that was there in 1888, you can imagine what they're feeling right now. Because it's almost like, Pastor, are you saying that the law of God that we don't need to keep, that's our very basis of the three angels' messages. That's the third angel's message. No, it's only half of the third angel's message. It is only half of the third angel's message. It is keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So if we have depended upon the schoolmaster, it means that we're still children and we have not yet grown up into, to reflect the character of Christ through the faith of Jesus. I hope you're following this, guys. We're still not grown up. We cannot attain righteousness through the commandments. You can only attain righteousness through the faith of Jesus. Do you catch what I'm saying? And I know in your mind you're saying, yeah, we all know that. But actually, no, we don't all know that. Because if we did all know that, our church would look a lot different than it does today. Let me explain. Why can't we attain righteousness through the law? What is righteousness? I asked you before, tell me, what is righteousness? Righteousness is what? It is right doing, right? Right doing, you are doing something. It is positive action, right doing. Now, now watch this guys. I hope you're sitting down. What do the 10 commandments tell us? You know, they tell us what not to do. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Listen carefully to me, guys. Righteousness is not about what we don't do. (laughs) Righteousness is right doing. So what we don't do cannot possibly make up righteousness which is right doing and because as a church we have been so focused on righteousness through the commandments you keep the commandments yes you're righteous we focus on the do not instead of the do I hope you're following this. We focus on what not to do instead of what we should be doing. Now, what not to do is important. Yes, it is. But as a church, because we are still children, because we didn't accept that message, which was designed to grow us up in faith, in the faith of Jesus, and what is faith? It is the righteousness or the character of Christ. And what is character? Character is about what we do. So what we do is character, but because we rejected that message, we've been focused on what we don't do. Hey, I don't eat meat. <clears throat> yes 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 and I don't wear this kind of clothing and I don't listen to this kind of music and I don't lie and I don't break the Sabbath we have focused on a don't religion righteousness is not about not doing but about right doing and because we have focus on the law of God and not on the righteousness of Christ we're still here we don't even understand what we're supposed to be doing as a church I want you to notice this the Bible says in Galatians 3.23 but before faith came We were under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. (laughs) Listen to what it just said. Before faith comes, you're under the law. But the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ, that we might be justified, not by what we don't do but justified by the right doing of Christ. Here, Galatians 3.25, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. That means we now realize my righteousness doesn't come from what I don't do. It comes from Jesus Christ and his righteous works, his righteous acts. For all you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Hmm, hmm. Listen. Manuscript releases, volume 36, 1890. Ellen White says this. The law of God has been largely dwelt upon, has been presented to congregations, almost as destitute of the knowledge of Jesus Christ as his relation to the law as was the offering of Cain. This is our prophet talking about how the law of God has been so largely dwelt upon absent of the righteousness of Christ. I want you to understand. Let's let's look at another one. You will meet. This is what she said just after 1888. You will meet with those who will say you are too much excited over this matter. You are too much in earnest. You should not be reaching for the righteousness of Christ and making so much of that. You should preach the law. And then she says, as a people, we have preached the law until we are as dry as the hills of Gilboa that have neither dew nor rain. You know what I think? You want to know why a lot of young people leave our church? Because of this right here. All the don'ts and all the law and no faith in Jesus' righteousness. Now, you still don't understand what I'm saying. So just hang on. You might even get what I'm saying now, but there is so much more to this. I need you to watch this. I need you to follow along. So why can't we get righteousness from the law? Romans 7, 7 says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. What does the law do? The law simply tells us what not to do. I want you to think about that very carefully. The law tells us what not to do. As it is written in the Ten Commandments, it doesn't tell us what to do. In other words, I'm going to introduce a phrase to you. I'm going to call it omissive righteousness. Right? I don't do this. I don't do that. We cannot be righteous by what we don't do. Righteousness is an action. And the Bible tells us that the only thing the law does is it tells us what not to do. And even if you did everything that the law said, don't do this, don't do this, guess what? You're still not righteous. You can't be because righteousness is about right doing. And your right doing doesn't merit anything with God. It has to be Christ's right doing. So God is waiting for the church to do right. We just focus on the law of God. Look, we don't do this, we don't do that. Do you know dead people keep the law of God? Dead people don't lie, steal, commit adultery, covet. It's true. What are you doing more than any dead person who rests every Sabbath? By the way, the law can only point out what not to do. Now, notice this. So the law says, "Hey, I can't give you righteousness." But now look at Romans 1:16 and 17. "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for therein Is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So watch this, guys. The righteousness is not found in what we don't do, but it is found in Christ Jesus who tells us what to do. And he says, I want you to do as I do. I am giving you myself, I'm giving you myself so that you can see what I did, that's what I want you to do, and you can do it in my strength. Thus Romans 3.20 tells us, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So, guys, I want you to catch this. I want you to understand what I'm saying. As a church in 1844, we discovered the law of God and we said, we got to preach this thing, preach this thing. But we did not connect it with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So it was all about keeping the law. And if you keep the law, you're good. If you don't keep the law, you're lost. God says, look, I need my church, my church to get this right. So I'm going to send them a message and I'm going to send it to them. In 1888, he sends them this message. LNY identifies this as the third angel's message because it brought to prominence the faith of Jesus and said, listen, we still keep the law, but righteousness is gained through what we do in Christ, not what we don't do according to the law. I hope you are catching this, guys. Because this is crucial to understand. We are in trouble because the law does not determine your righteousness. Not doing something does not make you righteous. It is the right doing of Jesus. And you can only get this right doing by faith. Righteousness by faith. Not by I keep the commandments. Okay. So what is faith? What is faith? According to the book of Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is believing something that you can't see. Faith is acting on something that you can't see. Let me say it this way. Righteousness by faith is right doing without seeing something. In other words, you do right and you know to do right without having to look at something telling you this is what is right and this is what is wrong. It is righteousness, not by the law, but by faith. Now, you're, you're saying, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm going to read a statement to you and you will get the picture. Watch this. Mount of Blessings 109. In heaven, service is not rendered in the spirit of legality. All right? What right things should we do? What right things should we not do? No, no, no. When Satan rebelled against the law of Jehovah, the thought that there was a law came to the angels almost as an awakening to something unthought of. In their ministry, the angels are not servants but as sons. There is perfect unity between them and their Creator. Obedience is to them no drudgery. Love for God makes their service a joy. So, in every soul where in Christ the hope of glory dwells, His words are reechoed I delight like to do Thy will, O oh my God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart. In other words, it becomes something natural. I don't need a set of 10 commandments to tell me any longer, Don't do, don't do, don't do. Why? God has taken those commandments from the tables of stone and put them on my heart so that it is natural for me to do those things. It is natural for me not to lie, not to steal, not to kill. But wait, that's not even the point. I'm simply saying this. Righteousness comes by something that must be internal. And the only way we can get that internally is to get Christ in us. All right. I need you to follow this because we're still building this. Watch this. Galatians 5.5. The Bible says, for we... Through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Watch this. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith. All right. Here goes a punchline, guys, of the entire sermon. You need to catch this. But faith, which works by love. I got a question for you. How many of you want faith? All right? I got the commandments of God, but now I have to have faith in Jesus. Faith in the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? How do I have faith that works? Faith works by love. Let me rephrase that. Faith is manifested. The righteousness of Christ is manifested, let me say this way, in works of love. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The law says don't do but the character of Christ says do. So in essence, they go together. One tells us what not to do, but the character of Christ shows us what to do. Here, let me read it to you. A legal religion is insufficient to bring the soul into harmony with God. The hard, rigid orthodoxy of the Pharisees, destitute of contrition, tenderness, Or love was only a stumbling block to sinners. They were like the salt that had lost its savor for their influence had no power to preserve the world from corruption. Listen to this. The only true faith is that which worketh by love to purify the soul. It is as a leaven that transformed the character. Now watch this, guys. How is the soul purified? It is through works of love. Hmm. When we do what Jesus did, and what did Jesus do when he was here on earth? He did works of love. That's the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ was manifested in what he did. Works of love. In doing that, something happens to the soul. It becomes purified. Mm. Not doing something does not purify the soul. Not lying, not stealing, not killing does not purify the soul. Only one thing purifies the soul, and that is works of love. So watch this, guys. If we as a church have become so focused on keeping the commandments while we are neglecting works of love. We are still children. We have not yet fully preached the third angel's message. I want you to listen to this. Romans nine thirty. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. Did you catch that just now? If you're trying to be righteous by keeping the Ten Commandments, if you're measuring your righteousness by what you don't do, you have missed the picture. You have missed the point of what Christ is trying to tell us. Galatians 2.16, knowing this, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You cannot be justified because you don't lie or steal or commit adultery or covet. You are justified by faith in the right doing of Jesus Christ and when you begin to focus on the right doing of Jesus Christ you will do as he did which manifests that your faith is genuine. This is hard for Adventists to hear because we put so much stock into telling people, keep the commandments, keep the commandments. What's happened is that it is now revealed in the way that we do church. We are so focused on ourselves and what we don't do that we forget to do. Let me put it this way Matthew 19, verse 16. Jesus is speaking to a rich young ruler and here's what he says. Behold, one came unto him and said, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he answered and said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now notice this. He saith unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not honor thy father and mother. He's speaking the 10 commandments and then he ends like this. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That seems like a weird commandment to throw in because you do realize thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself is not in the Ten Commandments. I just need you to think about that for a moment. Go ahead and check out Exodus 20. You will not see in Exodus 20, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not uh, worship graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy like God in vain. Thou shalt honor the Sabbath. The other six, the first four, dealing with your relation with God. The last six, dealing with your relation with man. Love your neighbor is not there. So, so the rich young ruler says, All these have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? And Jesus said unto him, Watch this, guys. Ooh. Watch this. He says, If thou wilt be perfect. Oh, wait a minute. What? If thou will be perfect, watch this. He doesn't say if thou will be perfect, don't lie, don't steal. Don't. He says if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have. <laughs> go and sell what you have and go minister to the poor. Wow. Wow. Go minister to the poor, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. And the Bible says, The rich young ruler walked away sad. He, he wasn't ready to do that. Yeah, not do righteousness by omission. Okay, righteousness by commission. Hmm, hmm. You see, beloved, perfection. Was not in what he did not do. And that's how when we have our perfection discussions, what are we talking about? How to overcome sin. How to over how to not you know, lie and not. That's our sole focus when we talk about perfection. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, do acts of love. And those acts of love will purify your soul. So in other words, what we do is we're focusing on perfection by looking at the law and saying, how can I be perfect with the law? When Jesus says, no, 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 you need to focus on me and do the things that I tell you to do and do the works of love. And in doing that, something will happen that will purify your soul so that it becomes natural for you not to do the things that the law says don't do. Yeah, I need you to catch this, guys. See, watch this. Review and Herald, December 18th, 1891. Let us seek for the faith which works by love and purifies the heart that we may represent the character of Christ to the world. Hold on a second. If Christ is waiting for his character to be reproduced in his church, what are we seeing here? She's telling us, let us seek, not for the law. Can we keep the law better? No, no, no. Let us seek for the faith which works by love. So when we begin to pour out of ourselves into others, the oppressed, those that need help, when we pour out into others, what happens is something in our heart, the love of Christ working through us purifies our own heart. See, we're trying to attain righteousness in a selfish manner. Instead of focusing on others to attain righteousness, we're focusing on self. Okay, did I lie today? All right, good, check this. Ah, no lying today. Did I do this today? And so we just lock ourselves off from the world. Why? Because we're busy trying to perfect the Ten Commandments. Do you see what the devil's doing? (laughs) He is fighting against the righteousness of Christ which is manifested in works of love, which in turn purify the heart, which in turn causes us to reflect the character of Christ, which in turn means that Christ comes because he has been perfectly reproduced in his church. And we have to do it as a body. When the body of Christ reflects the character of Christ and the only way we can do that beloved is by doing the works Christ did when he was here on earth and what are the works Christ did let's check it out Luke four eighteen, the Bible tells us the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of, of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Beloved, Christ came to minister to the oppressed, and if we are not ministering to the oppressed, how can we expect to reflect the character of Christ? Because we have been so focused on the law of God and not the righteousness of Christ, which is manifested in how we connect with the oppressed, we are still children, still under a schoolmaster, not yet understanding the power of the righteousness of Christ. The law, our righteousness, we're focusing on what we don't do. Christ, our righteousness, we're focusing on what we do in Christ. That is the difference, beloved. One tells us what not to do. The other tells us this is what you need to be doing. And as a church, we focus so much. Make sure you don't. Make sure you don't. Make sure you don't. Beloved, I I know and, and I have been there. I have been there. I have. I'm telling you, as a pastor and early in my ministry, it was don't, don't, don't. And beloved, don't get me wrong. The don'ts are important. But if that is the focus, we have missed the picture of Christ, our righteousness, because it's not what you don't do that gets you into heaven. It's the righteousness of Christ that gets, and the righteousness of Christ will have an effect on what you don't do. Satan is warring against the righteousness of Christ today by telling the church, don't focus on works of love. Oh, don't be, you know, just don't, don't worry about that stuff. You've got to focus on overcoming self and perfection of self. Beloved, the way you overcome self is not by focusing on self. (laughs) The way you overcome self is by pouring out into others. Galatians 2.19 For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. It's two things we got to learn how to balance, beloved. Being dead to the law. That means I'm not doing what the law says don't do, but I can't just be dead to the law. I've also got to be alive unto God. Dead people don't do stuff. That's what the law is telling us. Don't do stuff. That's for dead people. That's why the Bible says you got to die to self. But not just, you can't just die to self and leave it at that. You've got to live onto something and that's where righteousness comes in, beloved. We've got to be actively doing what Christ called us to do, which is to be like Him. Thus, again, when the character of Christ Shall be perfectly reproducing his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. In other words, when the church as a whole begins to act like Jesus in going out and ministering to the oppressed, to the needy, that's when the world will see the light that was locked away in 1888. Because we wanted to depend on righteousness coming through our keeping the law, we didn't understand this was going to lead to a nuts, you know, yeah, we'll go out there and and, and share the gospel and preach the third angel's message, but we're not going to get our hands dirty. We're not going to actually, like, help people. We're not going to get involved in what the world is going through. We're just going to kind of be separate and focus on self-perfection. Galatians 5, 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you who are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness. And again it says that faith works by love, beloved. It is the only way when Christ's character is perfectly reproduced. He will come for his own. So what is the character of Christ? Micah 6, 8 tells us, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do? Stop for a second. The law tells us what not to do. Now he turns around and says, now I'm going to show you what to do. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with thy God. You can not lie and not steal and be a holy Adventist a holy Adventist all you want look at me I don't do these things and if you are not loving mercy and doing justly and standing for justice Ellen White quotes Michael 6 and then she says this from age to age These counsels were repeated by the servants of Jehovah to those who were in danger of falling into habits of formalism and forgetting to show mercy. We should lose no opportunity of performing deeds of mercy, of tender thought, forethought and Christian courtesy for the burdened and the oppressed. Do you catch this? The righteousness of Christ is manifested not in, hey, look, I didn't lie today. It's manifested in showing mercy to the oppressed. That's the character of Jesus. That's what he would be doing if he were here. Let's keep reading. Pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction to keep himself unspotted from the world. Our church members are greatly in need of a knowledge of practical godliness. They need to practice self-denial and self-sacrifice. They need to give evidence to the world that they are Christ-like. Therefore, the work that Christ requires of them is not done by proxy, placing on some committee or some institution the burden that they themselves should bear. They're to become Christ-like in character by giving of their means and time, their sympathy, their personal effort to help the sick To comfort the sorrowing, one race many colors. To relieve the poor, one race many colors. To encourage the desponding, one race many colors. To enlighten souls in darkness, one race many colors. To point sinners to Christ. To bring home to the hearts the obligation of God's law. Do you see how this is working? Because we have been so focused on thou shalt not, we have not really bothered with thou shalt She goes on to say, People are watching and weighing those who claim to believe the special truths for this time. They are watching to see where in their life and conduct represent Christ. By humble and earnestly engaging in the work of doing good to all, God's people will exert an influence that will tell in every town and city where the truth has entered. If all who know the truth will take hold of this work as opportunities are presented day by day, doing little acts of love in the neighborhood where they live, Christ will be manifested to their neighbors. How many of you want Christ to be manifested to your neighbors? The gospel will be revealed as a living power, not a written power. Ten Commandments written. No, the gospel will be revealed as a living power and not a cunningly devised fable or idle speculation. It will be revealed as reality, not the result of imagination or enthusiasm. And watch this last sentence. This will be of more consequence than sermons or professions or creeds. You guys, enough preaching. Sabbath after Sabbath, we come and we listen. Great sermon, great sermon. Okay, are you overcoming? Yeah, I'm trying. Are you overcoming? Yeah, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying not to steal, lie, kill. Da, 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 da. All the while, the righteousness of Christ is trailing in the dust and the enemy is doing an excellent job of keeping the righteousness of Christ away from the church. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Listen to what I'm about to say. The 10 must be transformed into the two the 10 must be transformed into the two what do you mean pastor the bible says then one of them which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him and saying master which is the greatest commandment in the law jesus said unto him thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two hang all the law and the prophets you guys listen carefully Remember how I said a little bit earlier, thou shalt love thy neighbor and love the Lord thy God with all your heart is not in the Ten Commandments. It's all about don't. Don't have any other gods. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't worship graven images. Don't work on these days. Keep the Sabbath. They're all about don'ts for the most part. Except for honor your mother and father. Everything else is about don't. But when Jesus summarizes the same Ten Commandments with these two commandments, love, that's a positive action. That's righteousness by commission. You must do something. For many of us, we're still in Ten Commandment phase. We have not moved to Two Commandment phase. So we don't know how to show love to the world. We're just focused on, hey, if I keep the commandments, I'm good to go. Better yet, I just need to stay away from the world because they might lead me to break the Ten Commandments. The further away I can stay from them, the better off I'll be. We learn to focus on ourselves while the world is suffering. Listen, are you ready for this? In Luke 635, Jesus said these words, but love your enemy, do good and lend, hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great. You should be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Jesus says, listen, this is what mercy is. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do good to others, whether you like them or not. Whether they are likable or not, let me say it that way, whether they are likable or not, whether you think they deserve it or not, I need you to do that so that you can be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. Ellen White says the requirement of God from those who claim to be his children is that they be doers of the word, that they follow his example, represent the life of Christ in tender pitying love to the world that they reflect his image. Jesus says, be therefore merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. So how do you be merciful? By showing pitying love. This is why the devil doesn't want you to show love to the world. This is why he's not throwing out terms like, you know, oh, you're just, you know, uh, it's not real love for the oppressed. He's making it so that Love becomes something cynical. You're not really doing this for love. Come on, you don't love the world. You're just trying to show that you're, that you're woke. You don't really love. You don't really care. The devil doesn't want you to show mercy. And as the church, when we buy into that, oh, it's not, this is not real love, then we become hard in heart. While we are, all the while we're professing to keep the law of God, our hearts are hard. Beloved, that's why God wants to move the Ten Commandments from the tables of stone to tables of the heart. That's what he's trying to do. Come on. Look at this. Jesus, the same verses in Matthew 5, 46, but notice how it ends. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute only your brethren, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I need you to see this, guys. <laughs> in Luke, it was Be merciful in Matthew it's be perfect all right can the church be perfect i'm going to i'm going to i'm just going to have you answer that question what is the perfection that Jesus wants from his church The perfection is when his church begins to exercise mercy. In other words, when they do the acts of Christ, which is the character of Christ, and when the character of Christ is perfectly reproduced, then he comes. Meaning, the loud cry, the third angel's message is the church waking up and moving away from the schoolmaster mentality and saying, We need to get out there into the world and show mercy to the world and reach out to the oppressed in the world. That's how the world gets the light because they will see the light of Christ shining through his church. And that is how the whole earth is lightened with his glory. The church realizes it's not by my own works that I'm righteous. That's on Jesus. It's not keeping the commandments that makes me righteous. It's doing the works that Christ did. Let us be about our Father's business. Let us go out like the disciples on the day of Pentecost to reach the whole world and to minister to the whole world. Let us effectively go into those communities that are broken down and start ministering to those people where they are, mingling with them as one who cares for their good and then bidding them... Follow me. This is the perfection Christ is looking for because in doing that, we no longer focus on ourselves, but in doing that, the soul becomes purified so that in Christ, with Christ dwelling in us, he stops us from lying, from stealing, from breaking the commandments. Beloved, perfection is in doing as Christ did that's what the text says come on we're almost there guys we're almost there ezekiel 11:19 The Bible says, I will give them one heart, one heart, and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Beloved, it is when we have a heart of flesh that we learn to keep the ordinances. Before that, if you don't love your neighbor, you're not keeping the commandments. If you don't love your neighbor, if you're not sympathetic to the plight of the oppressed, there is no way on heaven's earth or earth's whatever you want to say, that you can ever hope to successfully keep the Ten Commandments. Not happening. No matter how much you think, like that rich young ruler, all these I've done from my youth up, nope, you don't love your neighbor, done deal. You're not keeping the commandments. You're not keeping the Sabbath. You may be going to church on Saturday. You're not keeping the Sabbath. Done deal. John 17, 21, Jesus' prayer was this, that they may all be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Beloved, when the body of Christ comes together, unitedly, and says, "All right, let's replicate the character of Christ in the world, that's when the world knows that Christ is in us. Ellen White says this, and I need you to focus on this. The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with His glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. When we have entire, wholehearted, consecration to the service of Christ God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without measure but this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God you guys I'm making my notes all available to you okay if you're asking right now I can't even see my screen or who's responding if you're asking right now pastor where can we get these quotes I'm gonna make these notes available to you but I need you to see this guys the way the church replicates the character of God is by wholehearted consecration in the service of Christ. And what was the service of Christ? To minister to Black Lives Matter. To minister to the oppressed in communities. To minister to the poor. Not just the poor blacks, but the poor whites. The poor Asians. The poor Mexican, whatever, however you want to see, beloved, the purpose of Christ on this earth was to set the captives free, was to mingle with them as one who desired their good. And if we're not doing that, oh man, can you imagine what it would be like if today the church said, okay, we are about to organize our church to reflect the character of Christ in every single community. So that's our plan. We are going to start ministering to those people who are struggling with drugs. We're going to minister to them in a very real and practical way. And the people who are being oppressed, and the people who are wrongly in prison, and the people who are selling drugs, and the people who are doing drugs, and the people who have suffered from sex trafficking, and the people who are considering getting abortions, and the people who are... KKK racists and the people who are Hebrew, Israelite, hating white people, we're going to go out and we're going to find ways to be able to practically, not just preach the gospel, keep the commandments, but practically minister to them, beloved, the character of Christ would be reproduced in the church and Jesus would come. But so many of us are so cold in heart. Oh, you're doing what? Come on, keep your eyes on Jesus. Preach the gospel. Why are you getting caught up in all this? Do you see how Satan works? He is warring against the righteousness of Christ and he's doing it under a disguise of, hey guys, stay focused on the gospel, preach the law, that's our calling. I hope you catch this. I'm going to read through the rest of these and just... I think we'll be done in, in like 10 minutes, okay? So just bear with me. Carry the burden of souls upon your heart, and by every means in your power, seek to save the lost. As you receive the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of unselfish love and labor for others, so notice what the Spirit of Christ is, guys. It is a Spirit of unselfish love and labor for others. If you don't have that Spirit, you're none of Christ's. If you're looking at cold callousness with people who are out there in the world and saying they're not suffering, we're in America. Come on. You do not have the spirit of Christ. Cut me off if you want to. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I don't want you to cut me off. But if you have to, then go ahead. Because you're not going to answer to me. You answer to the word of God. As you receive the spirit of Christ, the spirit of unselfish love and labor for others, you will grow and bring forth fruit. The graces of Christ will ripen your character. You want your character to be ripened? Do the works of unselfish love and labor for others. Stop focusing on your own righteousness. Am I keeping the law? And start focusing on other people and your own righteousness will be blessed as a result. I'm going to keep going. Isaiah 58 verse 1. The Bible says, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Beloved, this is the rebuke to the Laodicean church. Show us our sins. What are our sins? Revelation 3.15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. And watch this. Because you say, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and know not that you are the very thing you're despising. Let me say that again. <laughs> and know not that the very thing you turn your back against, oh, they're wretched, and oh, they're miserable, and oh, they're poor, and oh, they're blind, and oh, they're naked. The very thing you are despising because you only focus on the law of God, you don't care about the righteousness of Christ, that is the very thing you have become. You are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked, not them. They may be physically, but you, because you claim to have the truth and you have no empathy for the poor and the suffering, that's what you are. And so he says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What is gold, guys? What is gold? It's faith. God is saying, look, you got the law, you think you have the law, I'm telling you, you need faith. The faith of Jesus Christ. You need white raiment that your nakedness is not revealed. What is the right raiment? It is the righteousness of the saints, (laughs) which is the righteousness of Christ. He's telling us what we need. You think you have the law. You don't have the righteousness of Christ. You don't have the faith of Jesus and you're too blind to see it. Not only are you too blind to see it, you're too blind to see the sufferings of other people around you. You don't see it. What sufferings? What are you talking about? We can't even see the lamb-like beast anymore. What dragon talk? What lamb-like? What are you talking about? Isaiah 58 goes on to say, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh? Watch this, then shall your light break forth. Stop, guys. When will our light break forth? When is that glory to cover the whole earth? When does that happen? When we do the things Isaiah 58 says to do. Then thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. In other words, the glory of the Lord fills the earth when you guys start acting like the way I told you to act. Start doing the things I told you to do. Start loving. Start being merciful. Start going out into your community and ministering to the needy. Stop locking yourself up in your church and having your social clubs and just chilling and hanging and talking about the three angels' messages and what's to come. Get out into the community and do what I asked you to do. It is Satan's voice only that says, no, don't do that. You know who those people are? 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 So better that we just focus on our own righteousness. Overcome sin, guys. Come on. As surely as we believe in Christ and do his will, not exalting self, but walking in all humility of mind, so surely the Lord will be with us. Pray that he give you a heart of flesh, a heart that can feel the sorrow of others, that can be touched with human woe. Pray that he will give you a heart that will not permit you to turn a deaf ear to the widow or the fatherless. Pray that you may have bowels of mercy for the poor, the infirm, and the oppressed. Pray that you may love justice and hate robbery and make no difference in the bestowal of your favors except to consider the cases of the needy and the unfortunate. Then the promises recorded in Isaiah 58 will be fulfilled to you. Then the doctrine of justification by faith And the righteousness by faith was opposed and masterly efforts made through opposition and denunciation by a formal church whose attitude was of a character to discourage integrity and faithfulness in good works. Don't get involved in that, guys. Let me read it again. The doctrine of justification by faith and the righteousness by faith was opposed and masterly efforts made through opposition and denunciation by a formal church whose attitude was of a character to discourage integrity, faithfulness, and good works. And the result, as it was in Christ's day, while the workers of God sent forth with a special message who have prosecuted their work as men who must give an account, they have not been appreciated, their way has been hedged up, and their labor counterworked As far as possible. Now, guys, I want you to watch this. You need to hear this. I'm just going to do two more statements. Two more quotes. Done, guys. I promise you, I am done. One is from G.I. Butler. (laughs) Okay, I take that promise back. Let me just read. The work offered to the church at Battle Creek was not accepted. Okay, so we're talking about righteousness by faith. The work offered to the church at Battle Creek was not accepted. But the Lord increased the faith of some and stirred Dr. Kellogg, Harvey Kellogg, up to work for the souls and bodies of men through the medical missionary work. Among those who have been rescued, there are some, not all, who shall embrace the truth. It is the loudest proclamation of the gospel that reaches men where they are and accomplishes a grand work for time and eternity. I need you to catch this. Ellen White said, you rejected the message of righteousness by faith in 1888. But there were some who took that message and said, let me go and minister to people who are in need. And in this case, it was through the medical missionary work. Do you catch that? She was saying, had the message been accepted, the whole church would have been involved in going out into the community and reaching men and women where they are, and some of them would accept the gospel. But no, 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 that work was rejected. Nah, that's not our business. Stay focused on the gospel. The Heavenly Father will place you in connection with those who need to know how to treat their sick ones. Put into practice what you know regarding the treatment of disease. The suffering will be revealed. You will have an opportunity. To break the bread of life to starving souls. Beloved, when we minister to people where they are, it opens up the opportunity for us to minister to starving souls. Now, here's a quote I want you to see. This is by G.I. Butler, who had rejected the message. You need to watch this. You need to listen. G.I. Butler writes in 1893, he repents. And here's what he says. I fully believe that God has blessed greatly to the good of his people and the cause, the greater agitation of the doctrines of justification by faith, the necessity of appropriating Christ's righteousness by faith in order to our salvation. Listen, and the civil and religious liberty principles now so much dwelt upon. Wait a minute, guys. G.I. Butler recognizes that in accepting this message, there was a connection to civil liberty and religious liberty that had to be done. In other words... In accepting Christ's righteousness, it required us getting involved in religious liberty and civil liberty because that's where people are. That's the concerns of people. And and he's basically saying, yes, in accepting this message, we will go out into the world and get involved in these issues which will open up the doors for people to hear the everlasting gospel. Ellen White says this, There is to be in the Seventh-day Adventist churches a wonderful manifestation of the power of God, but it will not move upon those who have not humbled themselves before the Lord and opened the door of the heart by confession and repentance. In the manifestation of that power which lightens the earth with the glory of God, they will only see something which in their blindness they think dangerous. Don't get involved in this. You guys are getting involved in a social justice gospel. You guys are getting involved in liberation theology. Don't do this. Don't do this. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to what she's saying. She's saying they will think it dangerous, something which will arouse their fears and they will brace themselves to resist it. The third angel's message will not be comprehended. The light which is to lighten the earth with its glory will be called a false light by those who refuse to walk in its advancing glory. And here's my last statement. Those who stand as reformers, bearing the banner of the third angel's message, are the ones who are to draw out the soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. They are to do the work of Christ with hearts full of compassion for the widow and the orphan. But how strangely has this work been neglected? Other denominations have provided homes for the homeless. Why were we not years ago planning to care for these needy ones for whom Christ has committed us to? and whom he declares to be representatives of himself? Why have our people been so slow to hear the earnest appeals for help? The grief and afflictions of the widow and orphan should be our grief. Why have not the hearts of those who should be the messengers of mercy been stirred to relieve distress, to impart sympathy and consolation and counsel to those who hunger for it. Those who close their ears to the cries of the needy one day will call, and the Lord will be deaf to their pleadings. But to those who exercise the tenderness and love of Jesus toward the poor and unfortunate, to those who are not eaten up with selfishness, whose souls are drawn out in pity and grief for the woes of others, the promise is given, Thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. The Lord has helped already for those who, whose compassion is exercised towards the oppressed and the sorrowing. Those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb will through the Spirit given them by God do all in their power to comfort the brokenhearted and the tempted, to relieve the oppressed and to accomplish the work Christ has left them to do. There has been coming in among the Seventh-day Adventist church a disposition to be close and exacting with the poor, to be indifferent to their distress, to turn away impatiently from their appeals when the Lord has made it our duty to be pitiful, kind, and courteous to the sufferings, to the needy of the sufferings. Beloved, what more can be said? What more can be said? I know I've said a lot. I know I've said a lot. But I need you to catch this, guys. I need you to see how we are still rejecting the message of righteousness by faith. And you know what? Just because I'm mad at Satan right now, I am going to read these next two slides. So if you need to tune out, peace. I love you. But I'm going to keep reading. Just two. What saved the Lord in the the 58th chapter of Isaiah? The whole chapter is of the highest importance. God asked to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free. It is to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor and cast out to thy house. This is our work. The light that we have upon the third angel's message is the true light. This is the third angel's message. Isaiah 58. I will have mercy, God says, and not sacrifice. Mercy is kind, pitiful. Mercy and the love of God purify the soul, beautify the heart, and cleanse the life from selfishness. Mercy is a manifestation of divine love and is shown by those who identified with God, serve Him by reflecting the light of heaven upon the pathway of their fellow creatures. Beloved, this is what God calls us to do. Those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to the people, behold your God, the last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. The children of God are to manifest his glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. And then she concludes the light of the son of righteousness is to shine forth in good works in words of truth and deeds of holiness. Heavenly Father, we have rejected the message of righteousness by faith. We have depended upon the law of God and as a result, we have become self-focused and self-absorbed. We accept the rebuke to Laodicea And we ask now, Lord, that you would grant us your faith. May it be that from this day forth, your church will organize, will organize. We will organize ourselves as a body to go out into the world and let our light shine. Forgive us for our cold and unempathetic stance. Forgive us for our pointing of the finger to people out there in the world. Forgive us for our pharisaical spirit. Lord, I lift this ministry of one race, many colors to you, and I pray that other ministries will pop up like it around our church, and I pray that our church as an organization will make a decided effort to accept the message of the righteousness of Christ, and that the world may see that light, and as a result, thousands will come into the fold. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are about to do in this church. May we not make the same mistakes that we did in 1888. May we cease our rejection of the righteousness of Christ. This we pray in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com or you can call us at area code 805-226-8080. That's 805-226-8080. Thank you and God bless.